0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Life in Progress. I'm your host, Tia, and today I am solo dolo while Solomon is enjoying his vacation in Japanese. (laughs) Um, Between his travel itinerary, my schedule with the kids, being out of school for the Thanksgiving holiday, um, the fact that it's such a huge time difference between us right now, and mainly the fact that we still can't seem to get our shit together when it comes to remote recording. Um, like if you go back and listen to episode two, that was a disaster. And that was the one episode so far, aside from this one that we recorded separately. Um, yeah, that was horrible. And we totally thought we had it together this time. We thought everything was tight and right And sure enough, we get ready to record and technology plays us again. So we just figured that the path of least resistance was for me to just be the captain of the ship for this episode. So that's what I'm going to do. It took Solomon flying 10 hours across the world just to get him to relax and stop working. So we're going to let him do that and enjoy himself. Um, If you've been watching him on Snapchat or Instagram, you see uh, his travels so far. And he has just been enjoying and luxuriating. So Solomon, I am so happy that you are able to do that. And I hope you're enjoying yourself. And I can't wait for you to come home. Uh, But for now, I'm more than happy to take over. And he will be back next week on this episode. I'm going to give you guys my weekly check in per usual. Um, I'll update you on the latest with our IVF journey, as well as share with you both of my birth stories with each of my girls. Now let's get into the show. So this week we have no new listener letters or reviews, but please continue to rate us five stars and what? Five stars only. Y'all know the drill. <laughs> and um as always, we love to hear from you guys, whether you just want to say hi, you want to share a story with us, ask for advice, um, ask us questions about us, our journey, our business, whatever you may have on your mind, please do so. Feel free to email us at lifeinprogressshow at gmail.com. Anyway, let's get into my check-in. This past week was so busy, but in a good way. It was good busy. Um, I did a lot less work this week than I usually do and just spent more time, you know, enjoying my kids' Uh, holiday break so Solomon treated me and the girls to the Mariah Carey holiday show at the Hollywood Bowl and I don't want to share too much about it while I'm by myself we'll wait till Solomon's back next week and we can really dig into that and tell you guys all about that because it was hilarious it was so much fun Um, the girls had a blast, Solomon and I had a blast and the whole time I was just thinking like, (laughs) our poor kid is going to have two characters as parents. (laughs) They're going to have to buckle up. Um, so yeah, so we will get into that next week when he's back, but we did have an amazing time. It was so fun, so sweet of him to treat me and the girls to that. And yeah, we all had a blast. So after that, um, I got together with my friend Marcus. Um, I had told him that I just wanted to go out and drink. (laughs) Like, I have been either completely sober or mostly sober for pretty much the second half of this year, um, you know, between... The egg retrieval for Solomon, plus the one I did prior. I haven't really been able to just have a good drink. And I'm not someone who likes to get drunk. Like, I don't like how it makes me feel. I don't like the hangover the next day or any of that, so I don't get drunk, but, you know, it's nice to enjoy a few glasses of champagne or have bottomless mimosas at brunch or a couple cocktails with dinner or, you know, with friends or whatever, so, and I've, I've really been, like, not doing that for, you know, the sake of my egg health with this whole, you know, journey I've been on, so... I'm still going to need to do that because we still have our transfer, our implantation (laughs) coming up soon, and I'll get into that more in a bit. But, um, you know, I just wanted to take one night, now that egg retrieval's done and everything is well with that, and just get tipsy. So that's what we did. So (laughs) I met up with him at his house and he's got this really great little like town center not far from his home so we went over there and went to a couple different restaurants and had drinks and you know chopped it up with the bartenders and caught up with each other all that good stuff um, he spent his holiday back east with his family um, in the D.C. area And so I saw him the day before he left, I believe it was. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, Thanksgiving was great. We didn't really do much. Our Thanksgivings and holidays, now that the kids in our family are getting so much older, they've really slowed down and gotten smaller, um, which is fine, you know, I don't mind it. I don't really love big ass holidays and a bunch of people and all the effort it takes to put it together and clean it up and blah, blah, blah. So, um, it was just me, my daughters, my mom and dad. Um, my mom had asked me a couple weeks ago, you know, what, what do we want to cook for Thanksgiving? Um, you know, I know it's going to be small, but we have to, you know, cook something and it's, It'll be good to have food in the house for a couple of days. And I told her, I said, I don't want Thanksgiving food. You know, I'm not a huge Thanksgiving food lover. There's a few things I like, but for the most part, I'm not one of those people that's like looking forward to Thanksgiving and eating that food and, you know, going back for seconds. Like, that's not me. Like, I typically get a small little side dish size plate of food and... I keep it moving. So I told her, I said, let's do barbecue instead. Let's do something a little bit different. And it's especially perfect because we don't have to like satisfy a house full of people this time. You know, it's not like 20 people in here that are going to be disappointed that it's barbecue and not Thanksgiving, you know, traditional Thanksgiving food. So she was down. So that's what we did. I got some baby back ribs and some burgers and some veggies and um, baked beans and what else? Potato salad and all sorts of stuff. And we grilled and really enjoyed eating for the next like two, three days. So it all worked out. Lola loves a good party. So she was a little bummed that It was just us for Thanksgiving, but uh, we usually do it a little bit bigger for Christmas and have, you know, my siblings and their kids and that sort of thing. So, and partners, all that kind of stuff. So, it'll be a little bit bigger for Christmas, but for Thanksgiving, it was real low key and it was perfect for me. (laughs) Um, It was actually kind of funny. Lily was watching the uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. And, you know, everybody's singing and dancing and performing and all that stuff. And she goes, oh, I hope Hallie Bailey performs. And, you know, that'd be really cool to see her sing. And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. But in my head, I'm like, girl, that woman is trying to hide a pregnancy and fight for her life with this whole nail salon situation. So Hallie's a little bit busy right now. <laughs> But I thought that was really funny. Um, So yeah, so Thanksgiving was good. Um, What else? What else? After that, we decorated for Christmas. Um, You know the rules. Soon as Thanksgiving is over, it is Christmas. So we got the house all decorated and the girls helped put up the tree. And, you know, Lily is very much so in her I'm a preteen phase So she spent most of the day in her room on her phone and on her tablet. Um, But Lola was very excited to help grandma decorate. And they both decorated the tree. And then my sister came over um, later in the evening and she helped finish decorating the tree with them. So that was nice. Um, And then I went and saw Solomon the Day, yeah, the night before he left, um, I had actually gone to the store. I was running a bunch of errands of my own. And I walk in the store, and right at the entrance is this five foot tall black Santa. And so I immediately took a picture of it and sent it to him. And I was like, Do you want this? And he's like, Yeah. So I bought it and a couple other things. And the next day, which was the day before he left for Japan, Um, I drove down to his house and delivered everything and hung out for about an hour while he finished packing. And, you know, we just kind of caught up and all that good stuff. And it was nice to just see him. And we didn't have any work plans, no agenda, because typically when we see each other, it's like we're on a business mission. It's either we're trying to... Uh, work on business stuff. We're recording the podcast. He's out here for an IVF appointment. So it was cool just to kind of see each other for a few minutes and it just be that. So it was nice being able to just see his face before he hopped on the plane and went overseas. So anyway, that's my check-in. That's how my week went. I'm so glad that We're back to our regular schedule. Um, The kids are back in school. Just sent them off to school a few minutes ago. And I can get back to regular. It's nice having the kids home and being able to sleep in with them and hang out with them and have fun with them and all that stuff. We played a lot of board games uh, this break. But it is also nice to know that every weekday from 7:30 a.m. to 2:30 p.m. I get a little bit of quiet and can focus on work or even just enjoying silence. So, that is that for this week. Now, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I will update you on the latest with our IVF journey. We are back. Um, As you guys are probably aware, if you listened to last week's episode, we ended up with a grand total of five little embryos um, out of the 23 eggs we retrieved. And now um, the next step is getting them PGT tested, making sure that they are chromosomally uh, normal, seeing what... The gender of each one is, and currently they are frozen um, at the clinic that we're working with. They biopsied each of them and sent the biopsied cells uh, to New Jersey for PGT testing. So at this point, it's just a waiting game. We are waiting to see what our results are. Um, I don't think we have much longer to wait. It's like a two week process. And we're kind of getting towards the end of that. I don't like to keep track of exact days. It drives me crazy with anxiety. I prefer to just keep busy, kind of put it out of my mind. And I feel like it comes quicker um, when I when it's that way. So I don't know exactly how many days left we have to wait. Uh, I'll know once they email us and tell us what's what. So we're really excited. Um, for now, it's kind of just a waiting game. I'm not doing anything in particular. Um, waited for, excuse me, the PGT testing as well as my menstrual cycle to return. And I knew it would come back quick because I've done egg uh, egg donation, egg retrieval twice before and each time it came back really quick. Um, I don't know if that's normal, not normal, what, but for me it comes back within like two weeks at the very latest. And same happened this time. <laughs> Actually on Thanksgiving. Um I woke up at like two AM Thursday morning and I had to go to the restroom. And I realized that it had started. And I text immediately text Solomon, like, my period started. Yay. <laughs> now all we have to do is wait for the for the embryos. Um and then I emailed our clinic. But of course they were gone for the holidays, so I just got like a little automated "we're out of the office" response. Um, so now I think today is their first open business day. Um, it's still pretty early in the morning, so I haven't heard back from them yet. But I should be hearing back from them at some point today, and over the next couple of weeks, it's just gonna be. You know, testing my levels, um, running, you know, blood labs and that sort of thing and looking at my uterus and starting whatever medications need to be started to kind of just prepare my body for a transfer. The plan is to transfer in January. We're hoping for the top of January. Um, Might be the end of January. We're not sure yet, but we're really excited to, um, to get going on this. So yeah, so that's the update for right now. I'll get into it, of course, more when Solomon is back. Um, but there's really not a ton of news. Nothing exciting is happening right now. We're just, it's a waiting game for my body, a waiting game for the embryos, just waiting. So that is that with that. Let's take one more quick break. And when we come back, I will get into my birth stories with both of the girls. So I will see you in just a minute. All right, we are back. So let's talk birth. I had my first daughter um, in February of 2014. I was 25. I had just turned 25, um, the month prior. So for the majority of my pregnancy, I was 24 years old. Um, first pregnancy. And I just kind of wanted to learn as much as I could. But as a first time mom who really didn't have a ton of mom friends, um, and my friends who were moms were just as young and inexperienced as I was, and a lot of them became moms um, at an even younger age than I did. So, you know, they, they weren't really in tune and knew the questions to ask and how to research and, you know, all those sorts of things. So I did my best, kind of learning what I could. I watched, um, I think it's called The Business of Being Born. Uh, Ricky Lake was one of the executive producers. I believe there are two... Uh, films there's a a part one and a part two Um, I watched them and they were very eye-opening very informative but I still kind of just learned on the fly Um, went to birthing classes my mom and my sister actually joined me um, for those which was really fun Um, when I was eight months pregnant in December um, the December before I gave birth, uh, my daughter's father and I split. I was li- We were living together in L.A. when I was pregnant. And when we split up, I moved back to my parents' house in Orange County and, you know, gave birth in Orange County, all that good stuff. Uh, my doctor was in Orange County anyway because I just kept the same uh, OBGYN that I had been going to since I was 18. So, um, it actually made things a little bit easier being in Orange County because the whole time I was pregnant and living in LA, I was thinking, oh shit, how am I going to, you know, get to the hospital? Am I maybe going to come stay with my parents for a couple weeks leading up to birth just so I'm close by when I do go into labor, you know, what is it going to look like? So when we split up kind of made things easier logistically, as crazy as that sounds. Um, So my sister's birthday is February 18th, my mom's birthday is February 22nd, and my due date was February 24th. So we were going to have a very busy week (laughs) when it came to giving birth and birthdays and all that sort of stuff. And at the time, my sister did a lot of traveling and especially traveled um, for her birthday. And so I had told her, I said, look, this baby is coming the week of your birthday. And I do not want you to be in some other country while I'm doing that. I I want you here. So she said, all right, I won't travel. So she did stay home. Um, and as luck would have it, I went into labor on her birthday. It was the evening of her birthday. And I remember I went out to dinner with my parents that night because in lieu of not traveling, she did end up celebrating her birthday in L.A. with her girlfriends. So she was out doing her thing. I was in Orange County and I had dinner with my parents to celebrate my mom's birthday a little early since her birthday was right next to my due date. And I just remember feeling off. I even said to my parents, like, I feel weird. I feel different. I feel off. Unbeknownst to me, I was actually in labor at that point. Um, it wasn't active labor. I, you know, it wasn't consistent contractions. It wasn't, you know, painful or anything. I just kind of felt a little off. It was indescribable. And yeah, turned out that that was early labor, so we went to dinner, finished dinner, got home, um, and I think I took a shower when I got home. And, cause I was so paranoid. I was like, I have to shower, I have to always be super clean. Um, I was taking like multiple showers a day cause I just didn't want to be in labor and have to rush to the hospital. And you know, my last shower was 24 hours prior. So I got home, took a shower. Um, and just kind of, I don't know what I did, laid around, just chilled. And then suddenly I started feeling contractions and noticing that they were kind of consistent. They weren't close together, but they were consistent. Um, I had had Braxton Hicks contractions for a couple of months prior to this, which is normal, but it would be a few sprinkled throughout the day. So Um, at first when I had one, I thought it was just a Braxton Hicks contraction. But then when another one happened, like 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, this is new. Still wasn't quite sure I was in labor because I figured maybe Braxton Hicks are coming more frequently because I'm so close to my due date now. So I keep having them maybe like 10, 12 minutes apart, very, you know, inconsistent, um, but I called my sister and I said, I, I think I think I might be in labor, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. And because she had gone to birth classes with me, she knew how to count contractions and what to look for, all that kind of stuff. So we're on the phone and they start to get um, a little stronger to the point where I have to stop talking when I'm going through one. And from that, my sister was able to kind of start timing them. She would, when I would stop talking, she would start the timer. And when I would begin talking again, she would stop it. And after a while, she was like, sis, these are definitely like consistent. These are definitely, you know, X amount of minutes apart each time. There's, there's a pattern for sure. And so I'm like, okay. So I called the nurse, um, the nurse desk, And I let them know that I was having consistent contractions, but they let me know that they were not close enough together yet for me to come in. So, and I had had a false alarm like a week before this. And most new moms know that if you end up going to the hospital with a false alarm, it kind of makes you a little self-conscious and you don't want to seem silly going into the hospital every time you have a little feeling you might be in labor. So this time I was like, I'm not going in until I know for sure. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, look, sit there looking silly again. Like here comes this lady every time she has an ache or a pain, she thinks she's in labor. So, so, um, the the nurse that i called she said yeah this is probably labor if they're consistent and there's a pattern but you're not they they're not close enough together for you to come in yet so once they are you know a couple minutes apart i forget if it's two, 2 to 3 minutes 3 to 4 minutes something like that but she said once they're closer together or once your water breaks whichever comes first then come in and see us So I'm laboring and I tell my sister this. And so, you know, we're just kind of counting contractions and they're starting to get a little closer together, like eight minutes apart. They're getting stronger for sure. And so I told her, I said, you know what, let's get off the phone. I need to like, just kind of lock in and focus. Like I can't hold the phone. I can't be on the phone. Like I just need to be in my zone. So that's what I did. So we hung up and I just kind of walked around my house and, Breathed, breathed through contractions, just labored. I was all alone. It was kind of like, I think it was like two, three o'clock in the morning, um, at this point. And my parents were asleep. And so I'm just walking, walking all through the house. And then eventually my dad hears me walking and he wakes up and asks me what I'm doing. And I told him, I said, I think I'm in labor. So I'm just, I'm just walking around. <laughs> He said, oh, okay. Um, He's like, is there anything I can do? I said, no, just go back to sleep. I'm fine. I'll let you know. So that was that. Um, I'd say around 4 a.m., 5 a.m., my water broke. And at the time, I did not realize that it was my water that had broken. Because I was a first-time mother who was an idiot. So... (laughs) I thought I was peeing on myself. And when that first gush of fluid came, because it it gushes with each contraction, I thought I'd lost control of my bladder and I sat there and started crying. I was so upset. I felt so defeated. I'm like, this is the last bit of control that I had over my body. And now I don't even have control of that. I can't even control my bladder. This pregnancy has just taken over everything. Oh, I was just a mess (laughs) in tears, like an idiot, not realizing the whole time that, duh, stupid, this is your amniotic fluid. And every time you have a contraction, it pushes more out. So I'm literally hopping between my bed and my toilet for like a good two hours thinking that I'm peeing myself. And so eventually I just sit on the toilet and stay there. I'm like, whatever. And then I don't know what exactly it was that made me realize it was my water, but something just clicked. And I was like, oh shit, my water's broken. That's what this is. Um I think it was the fact that like it kept happening over like a 2 hour time span. It's like there's not enough pee in anybody's bladder for that to go on for hours. So something clicked for me. And um I called the nurse's station again and I said I think my water broke. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it did. And she said, "Okay, if you even think that it did you need to come in so we can check and see I said all right at this point it was like six something in the morning my mom had left for work and she told me she's like you know you're fine right now um whenever you go to the hospital just text me call me or whatever and I'll meet you guys there mind you my mother when she was pregnant with me my sister was 11 12 and my mom, like, took a shower, did a few loads of laundry, got the kids dressed, took them to school, like, did a whole bunch of shit while she was in labor before she finally went to the hospital to give birth to me. So my mother is not, like, the type of woman that's like, oh, my God, you're in labor. Stop everything. So she's like, girl, I'm going to work. Call me when there's news. So, so I remember, um, you know, the, the nurse said to come in, so... I got myself dressed, I grabbed a bath towel and folded it, folded it up um, to kind of catch the fluid that kept coming. And I told my dad, I, I had my, my hospital bag packed and it was kind of at the foot of my bed and I called him into my room and I said, okay, dad, it's time, I, you know, we need to go to the hospital. Can you stick my computer in my, in my bag, zip it up and take it to the car? He's like, yeah, um, are, we, are we calling your mom? to come get you. I said, no, she would be 20 minutes. Um, she would be, it would take her like 20 minutes to get back here from work. Like I need to go to the hospital now. Like you can drive, (laughs) take me to the hospital. So we get in the car and God bless this man. Because when you are in labor and your contractions are as close together at this point and as strong as mine were. It's like you want them to drive like a bat out of hell to just get you there quick. But at the same time, you need them to drive very slow and carefully because you can feel every little pebble on the road. And so I kept telling him like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Okay, slow down, slow down, slow down. <laughs> Poor thing. Luckily, the hospital was probably, I think it's like less than 10 minutes from my house. Um, But at at that point, when you're in the middle of labor, it feels like it's two hours away. So we finally get to the hospital. We get into um, triage, and that's where they check and make sure that the fluid is, in fact, amniotic fluid and nothing else. Um, they were able to confirm that it was. They checked the timing of my contractions, and they were not close enough together to for you know for me to be on the brink of giving birth, but definitely much closer together than they were at two or three o'clock in the morning. So they admit me. I, as I'm being wheeled to my hospital room, um, I see my mom come, my sister come, and Lily's dad. All three of them arrived pretty much at the same time. And they get me set up in the room and I wanted to have a natural birth um, unmedicated as unassisted as possible so they you know strapped the fetal monitors to my stomach or whatever Um, and I think they started I don't know if they put IV in me or what I don't remember but I was able to labor naturally walked around sat in a chair laid in the bed squatted bent over all however I wanted to labor and I did that for a very long time. I was, I got to the hospital on February 19th at nine 8 a.m. I think it was, 7, it was like 7 or 8 a.m. by the time I got into my room that I was going to be giving birth in. And I just labored and labored and labored. At, at, at some point, those contractions were literally on top of each other. There was no space in between them. And you can see that, um, on the monitor that they have hooked up to you. And so the nurse comes in and she's like, all right, I'm going to check you. So she checked my cervix and I was dilated, maybe six or seven centimeters. You got to get to 10 to have a baby. So I wasn't quite there yet, but she was like, yeah, your contractions are right on top of each other. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, things progress pretty quickly so I said, cool. So a couple hours pass. I continue to labor. Um, you know, my dad's hanging out, my mom, my sister, uh, Lily's dad. Um, I think his brother had shown up at that point. Um, his mom lived, I think, on the East Coast at that time. So she wasn't there. But we had quite a few people just there and hanging out and kind of playing the waiting game with me while I labored. A nurse checked me a few hours later. And I was only at, like, another centimeter dilated after all this time. And she was like, okay. Um, she was like, if you want, you can keep laboring. Or we can kind of help you along and start Pitocin for you. But just so you know, Pitocin is going to make them your contractions more painful. So... You're probably going to want an epidural. I said, yeah, if like, cause I'm barely making it through these contractions, (laughs) if they get any more painful, I'm not going to be able to handle that. On top of the fact that I certainly don't want to keep trying to labor naturally, because at this point I was like 18 hours in with active, painful labor. And I told her, I said, any longer, I'm going to be so exhausted. I won't have the energy to push efficiently and God forbid, I'm too tired to push and I can't get her out then I end up with a C-section. So I said, all right, let's do the Pitocin. Let's do an epidural and I'm going to get some sleep so I can take a nap. My body can keep doing what it needs to do. And then when I wake up, I will have the energy to push. So that's what we did. And uh, around 8 PM-ish, um, I was awake and they checked my cervix and I was like nine and a half centimeters and right on the brink of being ready to push. So they get all set up. They get, you know, everything. If you've ever had a baby, you know, when it's like go time, everything changes. (laughs) They start setting up baby stations and nurses get into position and doctors are called and all that sort of stuff. Um, My mom, My sister and Lily's dad were all in the room. Lily's dad was holding my left leg. The nurse was holding my right. My sister was next to him at my waist. And I just remember looking up and seeing a light um, from, you know, the hospital, and then I saw my sister's cell phone and her iPad hovering over me. So she was in charge of capturing everything. And she had been recording since the minute we stepped foot in there, which I'm so grateful for because now I have so much footage to look back on and remember and show Lily, which is fantastic. Um, So she was there and then next to her by my head was my mom. And she was in charge of holding my uh, oxygen mask for my face, and it was so funny because I I didn't even think about the fact you know my mom was given birth to three children she's you know at the time she was in her I think late fifties early sixties so it just didn't even dawn on me the fact that she'd never actually witnessed a birth other than her own. um, And so this was her first time being a part of a birth. And I thought that was just the coolest thing. And uh, so it was time for me to push. And the doctor comes in. And the doctor was actually a friend of my mom's, which was really cool. Um, She comes in, gets in a position, and I start to push. And I had done a few practice pushes before. And I got my daughter out in two pushes in less than 10 minutes. I didn't have any tearing. Um, I did know enough going into this. I wasn't as educated as I am now about birth, uh, but I knew enough to know that I didn't want a heavy epidural because I wanted to still be able to feel how and where I was pushing. Um, And I also knew to have them massage me in a certain way down there to kind of... um, mitigate the risk of tearing. So that's what we did and it all went according to plan. She was born completely healthy, a little bit over eight pounds, nice big healthy chunky baby and um, they immediately took her out of me, wiped her off a little bit, stuck her on my chest and um, proceeded to kind of you know put me all back together down there and make sure that you know the placenta came out and everything was as it should be and then they took her cleaned her up some more um you know swallowed her and everything and weighed her measured her and then brought her back over to me and it was such a pleasant birth there everyone was in tears everyone was just overjoyed and so excited and it was such an intense experience, just the moment of giving birth for me and, you know, everyone else I had in the room. It was like, it was, it was intense. It's really not another way to describe it. Um, And from there, you know, we got to enjoy our golden hour, which is when mom, baby, and dad um, are able to just have time to themselves, to enjoy each other, and to welcome their baby into the world without, you know, doctors or other family members or anyone else else around. So that's what we did. Everybody cleared out of the room. I enjoyed my hour with my baby. Dad was there too, but it was all about me and her. (laughs) We were the main characters that day. Um, so we did that and she just instantly latched on to me and nursed. And I just sat there and stared at her and smelled her new baby smells so good. And I just enjoyed the bliss of it all. And I always tell people there's such an afterglow um, when it comes to giving birth and your new baby. It's just like this little bubble that you're in in those moments and just the rest of the world does not exist time just kind of stands still and it is just all about you and that new baby it is the most beautiful addicting experience um that's what i looked forward to with my second birth and that's honestly what i look so look forward to um with this third birth with solomon's baby and everything else was so uneventful There was nothing, which is the best way for a birth to be, just uneventful, nothing bad, nothing crazy, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, We ended up just enjoying each other for the next, I think I was there for two more days after that. And, you know, the nurses try to get you to put your baby in the bassinet because they have, they give you one right next to your bedside and they encourage you not to hold the baby while you're sleeping because you don't want to drop them. But I'm a mama bear. I knew I wasn't dropping my baby and I didn't, but they always tell you, you know, put the baby in the bassinet. She's right here. We won't take her. She won't leave your side, but you know, it's good for you to just kind of get some rest and sleep and not have to worry about, you know, her. And so I'd be like, all right, that's fine. And I'd put her in the bassinet the second they'd leave the room or the second her dad would leave or he'd fall asleep, I'd pick her right back up and put her on my chest and just have her skin to skin. And it was the most amazing experience, um, even with the and even with my body not progressing the way that I you know, wanted it to. It all ended just absolutely wonderfully. So that is the story of my girl, Lily, born February 19th, 2014. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, I'm going to dive into the very crazy, wild, dramatic roller coaster birth that was Miss Lola. We'll be right back. And we are back. Um, Now it's time for us to get into Miss Lola's birth story. Now, when I tell you this little girl has given me a run for my goddamn money since the day I peed on a pregnancy test, I mean it. (laughs) Um, So with her, I had what's called hyperemesis gravidarum, and I had it with Lily, too, but it wasn't nearly as severe um, with Lily as it was my second time around with Lola. Um, I was on bed rest. Uh, for those of you who don't know what HG is, it's basically like extreme morning sickness that lasts, uh, typically your entire pregnancy. There's no known cure for it. There's not a lot of research on it, what causes it, what could prevent it, what can treat it, all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's really kind of a crapshoot, but I was on bed rest. I was throwing up, like stomach bile because there was no food in my system most of the time. Um, I was hospitalized a few times, had to, I actually went on vacation overseas during my pregnancy. I was maybe five months pregnant, four or five months pregnant. And I had to have an IV the entire time I was on vacation (laughs) Um, to administer medication and fluids to me. So it's pretty serious. Um, It does not harm baby at all. Um, When baby's growing, they take all their nutrients from mom. And so mom ends up depleted. You know, I lost a tooth. (laughs) I was really skinny by the time I gave birth. Um, My hair definitely fell out a lot more Postpartum with her than I did with Lily because of all the nutrients that I was missing, um, but baby turned out healthy. Uh, most HG babies, oddly enough, are very healthy and have a low lower rate of birth complications than babies of non HG mothers, which is interesting. But anyway, it was a tough pregnancy, and <clears throat> I was originally with a birth center I was not going to use a hospital I was going to use a birth center and have a water birth with a um, midwife rather than an OBGYN and that's kind of what our plan was (coughs) excuse me so as my due date was getting closer I was due May 5th 2018 Um, as my due date got closer my mental health was hanging on by the thinnest thread imaginable. Um, just being sick and incapacitated to the point where in the mornings, I, I would keep a empty Big Gulp cup from 7-Eleven on my bedside because the second I would even lift my head off of my pillow in the mornings, it would trigger me to start vomiting. Um I was uh, you know, in addition to that, I was really big at the end of my pregnancy. My stomach was huge. I was skinny, but my tummy was enormous. Um and it was very uncomfortable. It was hard to sleep. Every position was uncomfortable. I was just beyond miserable. And I know you're probably thinking, why the fuck do you want to do this again? But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um it was just really, really hard, and it was taxing on my mental health. And I was only about a week or so away from my due date. And so, you know, she was full term. She was healthy. She could have been born. If if I had naturally gone into labor right then and there, she would have been perfectly healthy. So for me, I didn't see a reason why I couldn't induce. However, I was with the birth center. They don't use medical um, intervention. And so there would have been no way to really induce me without being in the care of an OBGYN at a hospital. So because of this, I let them know that this was what I wanted. And it was more important to me at that point to get her out than to have a unmedicated water birth in a birth center. So they referred me to the OBGYN that they were contracted with, um, And I went to go see him a few days before I was due, like about a week before I was due. And I let him know that I wanted to be induced. And that's why I was switching over to his care. He let me know that the hospital, um, their hospital policy is to not induce until I think 41 or 42 weeks. So that would have meant I had to not only meet my due date, but go past it. Um, which I I did not see happening. I wasn't even trying to make it to my due date, let alone uh, pass it. So the nurse, thank goodness, she kind of put a little bug in my ear and she said, you know, they won't just straight out induce you and plan it, but if you go in through the ER and the right doctor is there and they see that you're completely, you know, your baby's completely healthy and, and can be born with no you know, risk and no complications, but sees how negative and detrimental staying pregnant could possibly be, um, they might admit you and they might induce you before the, the hospital policy. So I said, bet. Cool. Let's do that. So I get all my ducks in a row. My mom and my sister plan to take my oldest daughter, Lily, who at this point is about four, uh, four years old, and so I call them and I let them know. Look, I need you to take her. I'm gonna go get induced at the hospital. Like I gotta get this baby out. So they take her. It is at this point May third, um, and on the fourth, the morning of the fourth my my husband and i ex-husband now uh we go to the hospital through the er and i let them know that i cannot stay pregnant anymore this is killing my mental health i'm extremely sick this baby is only a few days away from her due date anyway and there should be no problem inducing me thank the lord the hospital that was on duty uh agreed And he was willing to admit me to the maternity ward and allow me to be induced. Um, So we went up and we started that process. Now, that included, once again, having to do the Pitocin and the epidural and all that kind of stuff, which I was already familiar with considering my previous birth. Um, They started that right away. And when they went to check my cervix, they realized that while I was dilating, uh, Lola's head was not positioned perfectly. It was a little off center. So every time I would have a contraction and she would push down towards the the opening of my cervix, (coughs) she would irritate it and cause it to swell. So while my cervix is opening, the swelling is basically counteracting all of that. And there's no progress being made. It's like when you're swimming against a current, you know, you can't make any progress because the current keeps pushing you backwards. Um, so you essentially are just kind of swimming in place. It was the same concept. So they because this doctor is associated and affiliated with the birth center that is very pro, you know, listen to the woman's body and things are done on natural time, X, Y, Z. He was not rushing me, which was fantastic. So, you know, he was communicating with me via the nurses that were tending to me. And the nurses basically said, you know, we've spoken to the doctor. He has no problem with you continuing to labor and take your time if that's what you want to do. I said, we're not getting anywhere, clearly. And I don't want, you know, my baby getting tired and, you know, fatigued and then it becoming an emergency situation. So let's, let's have a little bit of intervention here so they suggested, um, intravenous, um, Benadryl. So I said, fine. So they put the Benadryl in my IV and chow, that room started spinning immediately. <laughs> oh, within like two minutes, I was like, all right, good night. See you guys later. Have a great day. Um, <laughs> and I was knocked the fuck out. Um, this is May 4th. And by this time, it's like uh, evening of May 4th, I believe. So I sleep and I sleep and I sleep and I sleep. And I wake up late afternoon on the 5th. They check me again. And the Benadryl did not do what we were hoping it was going to do. And the nurse told me straight up, she was like, look, this is probably one of the more severe cases of this that I've seen. Um, you know, typically Benadryl is the answer and it works and we continue on and have a really just normal, uneventful birth, but um your body's just not responding. Um, and she said, you know, I spoke to the doctor and he's allowing you to either maybe do some more Benadryl and keep waiting it out, seeing if anything changes, or you can elect to have a C section. And I said, look, we've already been here for, at this point, what, a day and a half. And we kind of know what the situation is. If this isn't working now, I don't see it working in the next few hours. So let's just get on the schedule to do a C-section. She said, all right. So when you say you want to have a C-section and it's an emergency situation, it's not scheduled beforehand, not an emergency situation, but... It's not something that is scheduled beforehand. Um, You know, you don't just go right into the operating room and have it done. Unless the baby is like in emergency dire distress and, you know, you have minutes to save them. But in my kind of case, I I could wait. So I did. So my C-section was not scheduled until the next afternoon. So... That puts us at May 6th. Mind you, I got into this goddamn hospital May 4th. But they were giving me medication and like Zofran anti-nausea stuff through an IV, which was way better than orals and suppositories and all that kind of stuff. So at least I wasn't feeling too nauseous this whole time. And I was a little more comfortable than I had been, you know, at home. So that made these days... Um, a little bit easier to cope with so anyway so it's the 6 now it is time for my c-section my mom was distraught when she heard that I was going to have a c-section that is not something she's ever done um she had me and both of my siblings uh vaginally and so this was kind of new territory for her and she was just kind of scared you know there's complications that can arise with C-sections. Um, it is, of course, infinitely harder to care for a newborn while you're also trying to heal from a major abdominal surgery. It's just not preferable if you can avoid it. Um, and so she was pretty bent out of shape about it. But, I, you know, I let her know, like, it's all good. I'm okay with this decision. I made this decision. I could have, you know, waited it out and maybe hoped for a vaginal birth, but I think this is the best route and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I have my C-section. I'm already so doped up. There's still Benadryl in my system. There's um, anti-nausea medication. There's an epidural. There is the Pitocin that they use to start my labor. And now there's going to be anesthesia for this C-section. So we do the C-section, I'm loopy-doopy, <laughs> and once she's out, I tell my husband, go be with her, go over to the little, you know, warming bed or whatever, and, you know, just go be with her. So that's what he did, and while I am in my little corner without him, um, the doctor and the anesthesi- anesthesiologist are, are there, and the doctor is you know, removing the placenta and stitching me back up and doing all that kind of stuff because, of course, with a C-section, you don't naturally pass the placenta the way that you would if you had a normal vaginal delivery. So I'm laying there, and I hear the doctor say to the anesthesiologist, I'm going to try to beat my best time. And I was so just drugged up and on another planet that I, I heard it and I knew it didn't sound right, but I didn't have the wherewithal to speak up. I didn't, I wasn't able to like say anything about it. I just kind of was there. Um, and so he stitched me up. I went out to, the recovery area or whatever with my ex-husband and the baby, and one of the nurses started to massage my stomach, which is pretty standard after you give birth. They massage your stomach so that your uterus can start to contract back down to um, its normal size. And I laid there, and you know, latched her on so she could nurse, and. I just recovered for an hour or two. Then eventually they wheeled me up to my recovery suite where I would be staying for the remainder of my hospital stay. My mom's holding the baby. You know, my sister's there. My dad's there. Ex-husband's there. Everybody's kind of like hanging out and just getting to know the new baby. I'm laying there recovering. And this angel of a doctor who I don't even think she normally worked maternity anyway. She just happened to be working that floor that day. She comes in my room, checks on me, and I think I looked not well, which prompted her to check me the way that she did. But she started to massage my, my lower stomach the same way the nurse did, but she did it a little bit harder. And when she did, blood started pouring out of my body. And my face went gray. And she freaks out. She sh- sticks her entire adult-sized hand up my vagina into my body to start pulling out blood clots. And she had to in order to save my life. So she's pressing on my fresh, freshly cut and sewn-up sc- uh, C-section area and scar. She's shoving her hand into my uterus that was also just cut open and sewn back together and she's trying to just scoop out blood clot after blood clot after blood clot and i'm screaming bloody murder that is the most painful thing to this day that i have ever experienced that i've experienced some painful shit <laughs> um she has the nurses. So she's yelling at the nurses to unplug the bed that I was in uh, because, you know, it was, it was not a gurney. It was a hospital bed. And, you know, those are plugged into the wall. They're kind of permanently stationed in their respective rooms, but there was no time to get me a gurney. There was no time to get me on one. They needed to take that bed down to the operating room immediately. So she's yelling at nurses to unplug the bed and get me down to the OR. I'm passing in and out of consciousness at this point between the pain and the blood loss. I was done for. So get down to the operating room. They perform a DNC, which is basically just cleaning out the rest of the placenta because in the doctor's attempt to race to his best time, he did not remove all of the placenta out of my uterus, which is what caused this entire situation. Um, So they go and properly clean me out. I don't remember if they had to open me back up or not to do that, or if they went, you know, through my vagina to do it. I don't remember. I was passed the fuck out. Um, I do remember I lost all but one pint of the blood in my body. Um, I hemorrhaged pretty much all of my blood out. And if she had not come into that room afterwards, I learned, had she not come into that room about or had she come in the room about five minutes later than she did, I probably would have died from bleeding internally and nobody would have known until it was too late. So she is 100% my guardian angel and the universe put her in my room at that exact time for a very obvious reason. Um, Of course, after having my DNC and having a blood transfusion and stabilizing me. I was in the ICU. I was not able to go back up to my recovery suite on the maternity floor. I had to go to ICU. And that is where I stayed for about a day and a half. And it was heartbreaking because with my, you know, previous daughter, as I shared earlier, I was, I had her on me 24-7. She never left me. She wasn't even in the bassinet next to me. She was on me 24-7. So to have had that as my previous birth experience and now be in a situation where my baby wasn't even on the same floor as me. She was up on the maternity floor in the nursery while I was down in ICU recovering. It killed me. Um, I just didn't like the thought of my brand new baby being in some bright, cold nursery with no one that she was familiar with, and she didn't have mom, and she didn't, you know, the smells weren't familiar, the the sounds weren't familiar, the people weren't familiar, because, you know, babies get used to who they hear um, while they're in the womb. They get used to the voices that they hear while they're inside of you. They get used to their mom's scent. They get used to their mom's voice. They get just all the comforts are kind of intrinsic for, for new babies. And she didn't get any of that because I was separated from her. So um, while I was away, I my biggest priority, it was like, fuck recovery. Fuck trying to feel better. I don't care about none of that. I'm trying to make sure my family is on a rotating schedule to make sure someone is always in that nursery holding my baby, you know, feeding her, making sure she's well taken care of. I don't want her down there without one of us at all times. And so that was my main priority. And between my ex-husband, my mom, my sister, um, they, they definitely made that happen. And I'm incredibly and eternally grateful for that. Um, and I convinced my nurse that um, Not my ICU nurse, nurse, but one of my maternity nurses. She came down to check on me, and I convinced her to bring me my baby for a couple of hours. And so she snuck her down to me, and it was the sweetest, most amazing couple of hours I had had in that whole ordeal to finally be able to hold her and just spend some time with her. Um, After that 36 hours, I was taken back up to the maternity ward where I stayed for another, I believe, two days. And all was normal after that. Um, It was just like my first birth. I never let her go. I held on to her the entire time. And this time, the nurses knew not to bother me about it. Like, this lady has not had her baby for the first 36 hours. She's making up for all the lost time. (laughs) So I got to hold my baby Um, It was definitely a little bit different having to recover from not only a fresh C-section, but all of the physical, you know, trauma and stuff of um, what they had to do in that emergency situation to save my life and just how sore and painful all of that was while it healed. So it was a little bit different, but still that afterglow and that little bubble that you get to have after birth of just you two in your own little world and no one and nothing else exists and time just kind of stops. It's the same thing. And it is, like I said, so addicting. So that was my second birth story. Uh, Definitely far more traumatic than my first. And that brings me to my plans and I won't say expectations because you can't go into birth with expectations. You'll only be disappointed. Um, But my hopes for this third pregnancy and birth. um, I hope I don't have HG the way I did with Lola or with Lily, really, because even with Lily, it was uncomfortable and unpleasant. Um, So I hope I don't experience that this time. I'm the kind of girl who like I want to still be hiking. I love hiking. I want to still be able to go hiking um, while I'm pregnant, I want to be able to work out. I want to be able to go out and enjoy myself and have fun and not be, you know, bedridden and feeling horrible and miserable and all of those different things. Um, so I'm really praying for a smooth, happy, healthy pregnancy this time around. And on top of all of that, um, I really want to have, a safe, happy, healthy birth. And I think my saving grace here, because, you know, I've actually had friends ask like, oh my God, after your last birth and almost dying, why in the world would you put yourself at risk again? Why would you do that um, a third time? And the truth of the matter is, if it were my body that had failed me, and it were my body that were incapable and incompetent, then I wouldn't. But I know Lola's birth was complicated. Yeah, there was complications because her head wasn't perfectly centered and all of that and whatever. Even if I end up with a C-section this third time, I don't care about that as long as it's not done in a negligible way that puts my life in unnecessary peril. And that's what happened last time. It was 100% the fault of the doctor and him being negligent with me and my care. Um, And that is the direct reason why I almost lost my life with my last pregnancy. And this time, that is not a worry of mine. I will be back with the same medical group that I was with when I had Lily and... They have been my, it's been the medical group my mom has gone to um, as her gynecologist for a million years at this point. When I turned 18 and switched over to a gynecologist, this was the group that I was with. I'm very familiar with them. They are, you know, nothing short of family at this point, and I feel extremely comfortable with them and their capabilities and their care when it comes to my life and the life of all the women that they treat. Um, On top of that, we have chosen a facility that is pretty unique for out here. Um, I know a lot of places elsewhere, a lot of hospitals elsewhere have, um, you know, obviously their maternity hospital side, but then they also have a Birth center type of side that's more on the natural side, and you know uses water and breathing techniques and positioning um, rather than medical intervention. But we don't have a lot of that here in South South uh, Southern California. So Solomon and I were able to find a hospital not far from me that has a birth center, and we will be giving birth there. We will be using the medical team that helped deliver Lily. And they also have midwives as a part of their practice as well. So I will have an OBGYN and a midwife. And so I'm going to have just the best care I could ask for in the best possible situation. I will have the chance and the ability to give birth naturally with no medical intervention if I so choose. But if I change my mind, even in the middle of it, if I encounter an emergency situation, God forbid, that makes me need medical intervention, I'm right there within the hospital walls and can make that switch immediately. And all of that makes me feel very, very, very comfortable. I've been doing a lot of research. I'm not even pregnant yet, but I've been doing a lot of research on things like hypnobirthing and you know, breathing techniques and all sorts of stuff to help with the natural, not only a natural labor and delivery, but also just a natural pregnancy. Because I think one of the things that we miss a lot as women who try to give birth naturally with little to no medical intervention and pain medication. Um, We don't prepare our bodies for it. I think a lot of the focus and emphasis is put on labor and delivery. But in order to make labor and delivery even easier and even smoother and even less painful, you have to start preparing your body from pregnancy, from the beginning of your pregnancy, even before pregnancy, really. So, um, just learning about all of that and learning how to prepare my body and prepare my mind and just go into it as ready and as confident and as calm as possible, knowing that I am safe and well taken care of by, you know, my family, by Solomon, by my medical staff, it means everything, um, and, you know, I've shared with you guys before in a previous episode how this is also such a healing thing for me. Um, having an easier, kinder, happier pregnancy, even if I do have HG again and that part of it is miserable. <laughs> the people I'm surrounded with this time are going to make such a difference. My partner in, you know, meaning Solomon, um is going to make such a difference this time. And that all carries over into the finish line of labor and delivery. So it just all around is going to be a much, much better experience, even if I end up having to have a C-section again, even if things don't go according to how I would like them to preferably go. Just knowing that things are starting out differently and the amount of knowledge I have is different and the support and the system that I have around me and the village that I have around me is so different than before is what really, really makes all the difference. So again, we are super excited for this journey and I can't wait to bring you all along on it and share all the fun details, give y'all all all the TMI, (laughs) grow Solomon out with some some pregnancy stuff. I already know he's going to be the best partner. Um, It's going to be so much fun going through this whole experience with him. But I also know he is going to fucking spiral. There are things he is so not ready for and will never be ready for until he's actually in the thick of it. Um, and I'm just so excited to just see how he handles everything. Um, it's going to be hilarious. It's, it's going to be a really, really good time. So that is my birth story with Lola. Her official birthday was May 6th, 2018. So I've got my little February baby who is, she's right on the cusp of, uh, Pisces and Aquarius technically she's an Aquarius, but it's literally like the first day of Aquarius. So she's on the cusp. And then my little Taurus, who is such a Taurus. She has been a Taurus since the day she was conceived and never, ever lets me forget it. So those are my birth stories. And I hope you enjoyed kind of learning a bit more about me and what's gotten me here and what has... um you know, shaped my experiences of, of pregnancy and birth. And of course I will share more in the coming weeks and months. And as far as, you know, details of my pregnancies themselves, but for now we're just sharing my births and, uh, hope it gave you a little bit of insight. So we're going to take one more break and I'll be right back. (music) And we're back. Um, so Solomon and I have been talking for a while now about just different ways for you all to get to know me by myself individually. Um, you all know he and I together and our dynamic and our relationship and who I am with him and in relation to him. Um, but... You all know him as an individual. You knew him by himself far before you knew us as a duo. Um, between following his social media, his music career, his longstanding solo podcast, you've been able to really uh, identify with him and attach yourselves to him and form, you know, a bond and a relationship with Solomon that you haven't yet had the opportunity to do with me. Um, As you can see from this episode, I am, Solomon and I are so much alike, but we are so different. Um, I am much more calm, a lot quieter than him. Um, He is definitely the star of the room I am more, you know, if I had to liken myself to a radio station, I'd probably be like the smooth jazz station, (laughs) the easy listening station, Um, whereas he is definitely the pop station. He's the top 40 station for sure. Um, But I wanted to, you know, we wanted to give you guys an opportunity to just get to know me as an individual the same way you know him as an individual. And then, you know, how that plays into us. Um, together. So with that said, this was kind of a first chance to do that. And it wasn't even really what we planned. We really were going to make this a uh, regular episode with him recording from Japan and I me mean, recording from home. But like I said, we suck with remote recording technology. We still have not figured it out and we will because at some point we will probably need it and we want to kind of get it figured out. But, um, today just sort of turned into this organically and luckily it works, you know, um, between not being able to figure out the tech and our time difference being so huge, it just ended up being easier to do it this way and it all worked out. But our goal moving forward with this podcast is to incorporate a little bit of me outside of our business and IVF and our friendship, um, just so you can kind of get to know me a little bit better um, just as a person. Um, In addition to that, I will also be starting a solo podcast soon. I'm not announcing any concrete dates yet because I don't want to put something out there that I can't deliver on. So it will be coming. I'm just not quite sure when. Um, what I can say is that it will be in 2024, hopefully towards the beginning of 2024, not any time before that, but it will be soon. And I think that'll be really nice for you guys to be able to have a podcast of just him, a podcast of just me, and then a podcast of us together. So y'all are going to get three doses of us a week. I don't know if you even want that much, but that's what we giving you. So you can take it or you can leave it. I'm not offended if you leave it, but I hope you take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I look forward to chatting with you guys more and allowing you to get to know who I am as Tia, um, as a mom, as a woman, as a friend, as a family member, as a business person, all of the above, because As with every woman, there are a million and one facets to us. And I'm excited to let you guys in on how this mind of mine works as a almost 35-year-old woman who has lived a whole lot of life and has a whole lot of opinions and thoughts and feelings and all of the above. So with that being said... I really appreciate all of you hanging out with me today and, you know, kind of coming on this journey with me solo for the first time without our Solomon with us while he is um, gallivanting through Japanese. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I've had a fun time chatting with you guys, and I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. As always, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to rate it. Five stars and five stars only. As y'all know, leave us reviews if you feel so inclined. We love reading your reviews. And also, please, 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 please write into us at life in progress show at gmail.com we love talking to you guys we love reading your letters we love answering all your questions um, we love to give advice Salma and I are really funny when it comes to advice because we give very different advice <laughs> for the same situation so um, it's kind of always fun when we're able to you know, give our opinions on situations and see how much different they are. (laughs) So yeah, write us at lifeinprogressshow at gmail.com. Solomon Ray Music across all platforms to follow Solomon. I am on Instagram at xox.tia and you can find my other socials Uh, in my bio on Instagram, uh, including my Snapchat, which is always fun. I've been a lot more active on there with him as of late. So that's a great place to get a little peek into my life as well. Anyway, I hope you all have a fantastic Monday, a wonderful, productive, peaceful week. We cannot wait to come back next week with the two of us per usual and sit at his kitchen island and chat and laugh and be silly as always. And again, thanks so much for hanging out with me until next week. Bye.